Hello and welcome to the Hacked Off Podcast. In today's episode, I have Shawnee with me. Shawnee, give the audience an introduction to yourself and uh, why I've dragged you onto this podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm... Oh, God. Sorry. Start again. You need to You need to go into it with, it with confidence. You need to say, like, Hi, my name's Shawnee. I enjoy long walks on the beach, long podcasts, and long conversations about marketing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Hi, my name's Shawnee. Um, I'm the marketing manager here at Sakama. Usually the one editing the podcast, but for today, Holly will be doing that so that I don't have to listen to myself speak. Um, other things that I enjoy along with editing podcasts are long walks on the beach and long podcasts about marketing. So the reason that I've invited Shawnee on the podcast today is because Shawnee works on the podcast behind the scenes. And one of the things that Shawnee does here at Sakama is um, turning cyber content into plain English. So that is the topic that I wanted to set for today's conversation was how on earth do you take cyber words and make them plain English whilst balancing not going down the rabbit hole of marketing buzzwords? But my first question for you today, Shawnee, is um, how on earth did you end up here? Oh, so my journey towards marketing and cybersecurity, I suppose, was quite a weird and wibbly bobbly one. Um, so my initial background is in fashion, but I just really wanted a change, to be honest with you. Um, for me, when I got my first cybersecurity job, it wasn't necessarily a case of, oh, is this something that I want to do? I started off actually working in fashion marketing and really just fancied a change. Um, I got a lot of in interviews. I always get people asking, oh, so you worked in fashion before. Why would you want to work in cybersecurity? Like, how can we be sure that you're serious and that you want to do it? But for me, it was never really a case of, oh, do I want to do it? It was more like, can I do it? Will I be able to understand these concepts and then make it easy for other people to understand through my marketing materials and stuff that I would do to represent the company? And so I feel like because I had that desire to understand these subjects myself, like to understand tech topics and cybersecurity topics in particular myself, um, I feel like that is why I'm able to then translate that information into something that's more digestible from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a weird and wonderful journey, I suppose, going from fashion all the way into tech. But I have enjoyed it so far. I love that way of wording it as well. It's like in an interview, it's like, why on earth would you want this job is a really funny way of selling a company to somebody. <laughs> but it's interesting to hear you use the phrase, will I be able to? Because of course, although you're coming at this from a marketing angle, that is something that I hear so frequently from cybersecurity consultants, from penetration testers, that they get into this industry for the challenge. Okay, it's a somewhat different kind of challenge, but it's a challenge nonetheless. Is that what you what you were thinking the whole time? Like, is it looking to you know grow your skill set, challenge yourself, that kind of thing? I want to be able to work in. Oh, actually, let me not say that because I was going to say I want to be able to work in different industries, and then you'll be like, oh, so you're planning on getting a new job, are you? Which I'm not. Um, I, I know you're not because if this is how a job interview would go, then we're safe. We've got you for life. <laughs> Leaving that in as well, by the way. 
I do really like to challenge myself in different things. Um, in actual fact, I um, I initially, when I was in school, I was a lot more academic and I decided to pursue a creative degree because it was a challenge to me. <laughs> I don't know why I would pick to do something just because I found it more difficult than everything else. Getting used to working in a creative job, um, then to move into a more technical job, but also bring some creativity along with that. I think that that kind of suits me better, if anything. Like it was very natural for me to be writing blog posts about um, different fashion topics or different trends and stuff like that, um, to the point where I didn't even need to research much. But with this, I find myself constantly learning something new and it's that learning that I really, really enjoy. I think a lot of people think of marketing as just like something to do with sales. I'm thinking from the uh, the viewpoint of like a, a technical person here, like a pen tester or a, a consultant working in cybersecurity. They're like, what what does marketing do? You mentioned blog writing, but but what else does your job involve? It could be every, everything from emails, social media, internal marketing as well, events, SEO, paid search and paid social, that sort of thing. Website design, it can also, like just a lot of content as well, of course. So like setting up webinars, presentations, doing reports, analytics. This list, you know, that's that's not everything that's on the list really. But And it's also not in a very good order, but I suppose that tells you something about how my mind works, that I'm just darting from like one part of marketing to the next. Um, I would sum it all up by saying that, yeah, marketing is kind of similar to sales, but marketing is all about like bringing people into the company to make them want to buy something off us. So instead of actively going out and searching for specific people and convincing those people to invest in in like a penetration test or something, for example, like as the marketing department, what we're trying to do is more um, capture the people who are already interested in that sort of thing and get them to come to us. Or if they're not already interested in that sort of thing, get them interested in that sort of thing and then get them to come to us. So a whole lot of content creation, a whole lot of taking technical terminology and technical concepts and making them presentable, both, you know, aesthetically, they look good, but also just being uh, easy to read, easy to consume to, to the end user. So you um, started out in fashion and ended up in cybersecurity. When you were uh, working in fashion, did you consider yourself a technical person or did you consider yourself to be non-technical back then? Well, to be honest with you, a lot of the technical aspects are the bits that I enjoyed more than anything. Again, because it got to a point where creating graphics and stuff like that was quite natural to me. But learning about SEO and PPC and analytics tools and stuff like that, that was completely new. I also did some e-commerce work. So I was working on the back end of websites. Well, not the actual back end, but I was in WordPress doing stuff. And I just found that really fascinating too. Um, I also did some freelance work for a company that like an agency type company that worked with technical companies. And so through that, I was opened up to the world of like the internet of things. I was opened up to cybersecurity. Like I knew about phishing emails before then, but it kind of started and ended there. So to find out about all of these things that were apparently coming or already happening, but I just had no idea about them. It was like an introduction to an entirely different world. And it was one that I find really interesting. And I actually, going forward, I encourage more creative people or people who come from like a predominantly creative background to get into marketing for cybersecurity. I think a lot of people tend to be quite intimidated or they think if they're in 
interested in sports or they're interested in fashion that they want to market something that they love but at the same time you can grow to love something and that's where I feel that's that's where I'm at now and I kind of feel more at home doing this than I even did when I was writing blogs about trends still absolutely love fashion still spend far too much money on clothes and like horrendous outfits on a daily which you don't know yet Holly because I've been working from home this entire time but you'll soon see me looking like an absolute clown in the office I'm sure but yeah I think I'm able to find the sort of balance that I wanted in my professional career by like being creative with technical concepts the reason that I asked that question, it seemed like a little bit of a detour to talk about like the non-technical into technical roles. But the reason that I asked about that was because when people are looking at cybersecurity from the technical side of things, so getting into being a consultant or getting into pen testing, there's an awful lot. People very often talk about this continuous learning and how, you know, there's a lot of self-study, you know, reading the right books, reading the right blog posts and those kind of things. And I thought that was relevant because, of course, you're producing a lot of these kind of um, blogs around content relevant to cybersecurity. But is that something that you identified with, the having to like learn as you go, pick things up, do your own research, that kind of thing? Um, even though now I'm working in a technical industry, um, all of these things will not necessarily come supernaturally to me. So research is so important. Learning is so important. And I think I find the best way is like, you know, I'll do as much research as I possibly can on a topic. Um, and I will see what other people are saying about the topic as well. I mean, thankfully now, you know, we're able to not just read blog posts and articles, but there's also videos and stuff like that, infographics as well. So I absorb all of that information. And then once I feel like I understand it, I then think, right, well, how would I prefer to have this communicated to me in the first place? Like, how can I break this all down? I think the uh, I think the point is a strong one because very often when we look at um, taking content that already exists, like look, we are not the first people out there to blog about fishing, but some of it is just making that content consumable. So you mention all different kinds of techniques, you know, webinars, presentations, blogs, those kinds of things. Sometimes it's just presenting that information to the person in in the way that works for them, right? Some people like to read blog posts. Some people like to watch webinars. Other people may or may not like to listen to podcasts. And getting that information and putting it out there in different ways that works for different people is is pretty important, right? And I can imagine from your side of things, the skill sets required must be pretty varied, right? You know, one day you're working on WordPress for a blog post, and then the next day you're having to deal with listening to my voice through the fine medium of audacity. Yeah, so my role is super, super varied. And I think, yeah, like you said, providing that variety for people, because some people will want to digest things in one way, some will not have the time to listen to an entire podcast, and they'll just want to skim read a blog or something like that. I definitely think that time comes into it. And also, like finding a way to visualize these concepts so that it's like bang it's really really easy to understand just because this person who I'm I'm trying to reach out to this imaginary person that I kind of have in my head like do they have time to be reading through the finer details of every single part of something that I'm discussing probably not so not only does using like um visual elements and stuff like that make things easier to digest it makes it more memorable it's easier to see exactly what this sort of thing is about and whether it's relevant to you or not and so it saves time so I think my goal when it comes to producing content is very much like making it easy to understand making it 
quicker to understand suppose as well quicker to read easier to digest and that's what I want when I'm learning something too so I just kind of apply that same principle as well so it goes out via many many different mediums and sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to juggle everything where it's like oh you know now I've got to have my video editing hat on oh now I have to have my blogging hat on oh I need to have my analytic hat on and all this sort of thing so yeah again it just goes back to the challenge of having all that sort of thing to do in an an area that I'm getting more and more used to as time goes by but it's not something that like just comes naturally to me initially and I like that because I never feel like I'm sat still I never feel really really bored like just sat there like oh god you know I'm doing this whole thing again there's no there's no time to be bored because there's so much going on and I think that that can be really dynamic and fun that's uh, such an important part when it when we talk about making content consumable that's like not only easy to read but like can that person at that time take it on board so for me for example i'm an absolute nightmare for listening to ebooks at 1.5 percent speed but if the content is produced in that way that i can absorb the parts that i want to and as you so importantly mention remember those details um that that's so important but one of the things that i wanted to to pull out as you were talking there was you mentioned being intimidated by cybersecurity. why would you feel like that as you were first getting into the industry and do you still feel like that so yeah um i don't necessarily feel super intimidated now i definitely did when i first entered um like working in tech that sort of thing um <laughs> i suppose it's just because i was away from like anything tech related since before I picked my GCSEs and so then to come into a completely new industry which is so different from the one that I was used to I was thinking to myself oh god like can I handle this but I think you know if you stay in your comfort zone then you're going to get pretty bored pretty quickly and you're never going to grow so initially yeah I was and I think that maybe part of it comes down to how little like I, I was never really pushed in that direction as as a child in school. And I often say this, like there's so many jobs that um, you don't really hear about until after you finish your degree because they just not really push to you in school whatsoever. And I know that now there are a lot more initiatives to get young people interested in working in cybersecurity, but that push didn't really exist when I was growing up or not in my school anyway. And yeah, I think it's that unfamiliarity at first. But I always say to people, like, you know, please don't be intimidated by this industry because once you've got it, like, nothing feels better than when you find yourself understanding things that you really didn't a month before or when you're lecturing your mum about the, the importance of having decent passwords and not having your password be like Judy 1968 that sort of thing that's not her password by the way don't worry I've already tried to log in and confirmed that it's incorrect (laughs) I think by the end of this podcast hopefully we'll have the the actual password released I think one of the things that's important as well is the fact that when um, very technical people, so so those who are listening to this podcast who who want to break into pen testing or who are working as pen testers might look at some marketing material and we can talk about the buzzwords soon. We can complain about like AI and machine learning and all of that stuff. But, but just like those who look at marketing material and think like, oh, who is this useful to? You know, oh, I've got, uh, you know, three years undergrad, a master's degree. I've worked for five years as a pen tester. And, and you think like this, this material talking about Um, fishing and things like that is useless but what I always think about is there is always somebody out there who's behind you and they themselves are looking to learn so sharing that content is critically important but of course for our customers 
they have their own technical challenges and it might be their IT team engaging with those because they're worried about the risks of phishing attacks or something like that and they're looking for material to share with their team. So it's not even for them, it's for their non-technical staff. And I think by producing that information, we can have quite a significant impact on making people aware of security, making people aware of the actions that they can take as well. The whole rant we could have about vulnerability scanning versus pen testing versus red teaming versus objective-led testing versus Tiber and all of these things. But just starting at that very beginning part of that, you mentioned like researching these things a lot of the time to, to upskill yourself before you can create this content. How do you go about doing that? How do you learn about cybersecurity coming from what recently was a, a non-technical, non-cybersecurity background? Desperate Googling. I will probably start there, but I think I really, really want to hype up video. I just find that learning via video makes it like so much easier to me. And I think that that's probably because there's a visual element to it as well. So as somebody is talking and describing stuff, you know, you get the little graphics coming up on screen and it, it kind of, it makes a bit more sense to me that way, I suppose. So maybe I'm a visual learner. I think also like leaning on other people too, like in my previous job, which was also in cybersecurity, I feel like I was trained really well. And funnily, enough my manager at the time he had come from a creative background initially too but then he'd worked in cybersecurity for three years and so like we were able to level with each other um in in that regard and he he was then able to explain stuff to me and I was able to go and do my own research from there or sometimes I would come to him and say oh research into this thing am I getting this right I think always going and cooperating really I think cooperating with like people who are technical and seeing if they can explain it to you because like one thing that I've definitely found at Sakama with our testers like they've got really really good communication skills and so they can explain stuff to me and I'm like oh hold on a second do you want a job on the marketing department because that sounded really good and so yeah I think talking to people having discussions but also just going out there listening to podcasts watching videos reading articles absorbing as much content as you can so that then you can put your own spin on the content that you've consumed and think oh well how would this be better how would I do it to make it better or how would I do it to make it easier to understand I try to keep on top of things as well part of my role is that I need to keep on top of cybersecurity news and so you know there's no point me putting out articles via our social media that I'm not reading myself so I keep myself very much abreast of what's going on so that I can like frantically get into the family group chat and be like right everybody have you got two-factor authentication on, on there and then I've got like my auntie Jackie being like I don't know what that is what is it and I find myself then explaining it to them and I feel like if I can explain if I can manage to adequately explain these concepts to people who refer to the family WhatsApp group as the family GIF, then I can explain it to anybody. So I think, yeah, it's a process of going out and learning, hoovering up as much content as possible until you feel confident in what you're talking about. Then think about how you would phrase it yourself and how it would make more sense to you. And then get your aunties involved and see if you can explain it to them. If they understand it, then you're golden. If they don't, then it's back to the drawing board. Do you ever consider yourself to have a similar background to many of the people who are working in fields like penetration testing and doing things like um, being a SOC analyst 
The reason that I ask this question, of course, is as you describe your journey into cybersecurity, it's very similar to how a lot of testers describe it. So we start with, you know, when you were working through um, school and college, they didn't adequately describe to you the careers that were available and you didn't realize cybersecurity was an option. You talk about having to constantly stay up to date and stay abreast of the, the latest threats, the latest risks. You talk about having to do an awful lot of research, you know, um, learning in your own time, finding out about all of these things without necessarily having, you know, like a formalized training program behind it. And of course, the most important thing, desperate Googling. You know, like now that now that you put it that way, like it, it does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. You put it that way. Th- these are your words that I'm reading back to you. And the other thing, of course, being that getting into cybersecurity because of the challenge. That is the most common thing that penetration testers say to me. The reason they want to either get into the industry or they continue in the industry is because they love the challenge. Have you ever thought about that before? No, that that's not something that I had. I've really, yeah, I guess we've got more in common than what, what I originally thought. So how long before we can get you on the pen testing team then? <laughs> so no, I hadn't thought, I, I haven't really thought about it that way before. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think maybe also like their role is quite similar to mine in that, you know, they have to find a way of communicating stuff to people who might not necessarily know exactly what they've come into their business to do. And so they then have to explain these concepts. They have to talk about, you know, like the the latest threats that are happening. And so I think, yeah, I definitely think that it's the challenge of it. Um, always wanting to be able to grow and do better. Always wanting to train, um, like teaching myself outside of work, keeping abreast of the news all that sort of thing. And yeah, so I guess that me and the testers have like other things that we can relate to each other about now. I don't, it's not just going to be me ringing them up to like ask them to write me a technical blog and then trying to spend 15 minutes talking to them about Snowpiercer or anything like that. It doesn't matter if you're the best hacker in the world, if you can't clearly communicate what the risks is to the organization and help them through remediation. And it sounds a lot like that is what you do in a different way, but producing this content to educate customers and to make sure that their systems are secure. And of course, making sure that Aunt Judy has two-factor authentication enabled. We'll be following up after the show to make sure that she does. How do you produce this content without falling down the stereotype of marketing buzzwords and, and talking about artificial intelligence and next generation systems and those kinds of things? How do you make sure that it's plain English without oversimplifying things or ending up with buzzword bingo? Well, I think, you know, I must admit that sometimes there's a little bit of fluff that slips through. So um, I tend to run some of the work that I do through a couple of people. I like to have a sale. Like I, ha- I like to have conversations with the sales team and the technical team where I say, right. So say I'm speaking to a salesperson and I say, well, how would you sell this to a customer? And the same thing with a technical person. How would you explain this to, to the customer? I really want to make sure that I'm using the correct language. Like I'm speaking the same language of these CISOs that my um, marketing stuff is going to go out to. Um, you know, I don't want to be sat there just talking absolute gibberish. But then at the same time, I don't want it to be so technical that it becomes inaccessible to them and it puts them off. So I guess it's about kind of finding that balance and you won't find the balance naturally, really. You need to like speak to other people, like collaboration in this respect is, um, you know, is really important too, because I don't want to I don't want to say here that like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't trust what I'm talking about because I do. But I think 
Imposter syndrome is well documented within InfoSec. It's something we talk about a lot at conferences and things like that. Those people who are coming up within technical roles often worry that, you know, they don't know enough about this industry. They're not technical enough. Those kinds of worries, because I'm sure you appreciate this industry is huge and there's so much to know. There's so much to know about what's happening today, but also we've got 30, 40 years of history to, to get up to speed with before you can talk about the next generation issues. So I think that the concerns that you have are very similar to what concerns people have within other roles within this industry even though we might think of marketing at like the periphery of, of this industry it's the same challenges it's the same approach it's the same reasons that we're here and at the end of the day we're just trying to make sure people know what they're doing and how to act safely right yeah absolutely um i think go in with confidence but always go in with a willingness to learn as well i think you know there's nothing wrong with asking people questions i've had like many many friends go into an organization and be so worried that um like they don't want to ask any questions because they'll expose themselves as not actually knowing what they're doing but it's like well no you're just getting started you're just understanding this new this new company um you're understanding how it works on the inside you're understanding like the brand the tone of voice um like that sort of thing so how could you possibly know unless you've literally been working for their direct competitor beforehand so yeah i think it's having having the confidence to at least start or to ask questions and then over time, you just then start to feel more and more settled within your role to the point where then you're like, oh, this is actually fine. I need to challenge myself even more. And then that's when you're pushing yourself to understand more complicated concepts or you're giving advice to other people or you're growing your team or something like that. You know, I started off very much feeling like, oh, no, like I don't have imposter syndrome at all. Like I, I know that I'll be able to learn this stuff and it may take a little bit of time, but that's because I'm out of my outside of my comfort zone. So the only way to get into your comfort zone is to learn more and understand more. Like me personally, I absolutely hate blagging things. It gives me such anxiety and it just makes me feel like, oh, God, I'm going to be found out that I don't actually know what I'm talking about. Hence why I tend to do a lot of research because I want to know what I'm talking about and I think that that then also informs how I work as a marketer because I make sure that I understand it and then I go away and produce content that helps other people to understand it because that's what I needed like being able to put my own stamp on stuff and know that oh yeah I I definitely know that this makes sense. I've read it several times. I've researched into this topic. I've run it past a technical person. I've run it past a salesperson. Everybody thinks it's good. Let's go ahead and put it out there. And then that's the content that tends to do well also. So um, yeah, I would definitely say working with other people. And that's why it's so important that you work in an environment that accommodates you and that encourages you as well. I really strongly identify with that. And the reason for that, of course, is um, I myself have done a lot of blogging previously. How that started for me was uh, having so many exams to do to work in this industry, having crest exams and OSCP and all of these things. I ended up with a notebook just filled with notes of me breaking down complex topics as preparation for exams and I ended up turning those into blog posts. And those, of course, weren't groundbreaking research. It wasn't pushing into new areas. That's not to say that we don't do that work at Sakama. It's just that not every single piece of content we release is something brand new because there's an awful lot to be said about taking content and just making it accessible making it work for that person at that time and and getting it across um clearly to them yeah so i think that content it's useful like for many different groups i suppose and for me i'm often trying to work out a way of um separating 
um, the content into the different groups of people that I'm trying to reach. Because obviously, if I'm specifically trying to reach technical people, which is what we do via our Sakama Labs Twitter, um, that stuff will, of course, be very technical because I'm I'm trying to reach testers. Um, they're not necessarily going to be interested in the, in a blog post about, oh, well, what's the difference between a vulnerability scan and a penetration test? Because they already know. And sometimes, like, I do find myself writing a blog post that is kind of aimed at the general public. And so one thing that we do almost every day here on the on our website is that I do a tech news overview where I will just write like a paragraph which is essentially my own opinion of me like summing up something that's been going on in in the tech world on any given day and so that's not necessarily even designed for um for CISOs or IT managers really it, it can be it, it's useful for any sort of person that might have a slight interest in tech but it shows that we keep our finger on the pulse like we keep we're invested and interested in this sort of stuff and that you know our website is not just a place where we talk about the stuff that we do and then try to sell you something like I really want to develop our website to the point where it is an entire knowledge hub where there are resources so say for people who want to get um, people who want to get involved in the security industry so um, they want to get their foot in the door in terms of pen testing like some of our some of our technical blogs that are not super groundbreaking but for somebody with a technical knowledge already who wants to get into penetration testing they will understand that content and that content will be useful to them as much as it's cool to talk about like exploit development and brand new research and all of the things that our red team are pushing for us to to develop and to publish Whilst they're doing that, one thing to bear in mind, of course, is look at how much news there's been recently of companies getting wrecked by ransomware. Ransomware is not a new threat. It's, you know, what, when was the first uh, ransomware? What, probably the AIDS Trojan from 1989? So these things, yeah, it's important to stay up to date with the very latest security news. But it's also important to have the perspective and the context that a lot of organizations are still getting wrecked by old risks. And it's, you know, you can't just say, oh, we've heard of ransomware already. We shouldn't be talking about that when we've got companies getting hit by it. Travelex getting hit in January 2020 ended up paying a ransom. What was that? $2.3 million. That is a significant impact to that business. And that is it's the kind of thing that um, organizations are getting hit by every year. And I mean, if we check the headlines today, right, how many more examples could I come up with of organizations getting hit by ransomware? So whilst it's important for everybody where possible to stay up to date, we can't forget about the things that have happened uh, previously. You know, you can't forget about the history of this industry. People who work in the cybersecurity industry obviously know what this sort of stuff is, but that doesn't mean that it that everybody else knows it. And I think finding a way to create that content and spread awareness in a way that is digestible to the general public or to like non-technical business decision makers, like that will always be valuable because even though even though we know it, even though that I know that it's a threat, like I said before, like my extended family won't have heard of any of this stuff, but because I've been immersed in this industry. I I know what threats are out there but they have no idea so when you know when my brother's texting me being like oh have you sent me a parcel because I've just got this text I'll be like phishing scam don't click the link don't click the link and and I feel like that can just be a good thing in general making people more aware of what threats are out there you know for their own good but also to highlight these issues to businesses as well and I think you know having all businesses be as secure as they can possibly be. That's kind of my goal as well. 
Yeah, and you've got to start somewhere as well, right? You don't you don't just uh, appear as an organization with a high level of security maturity overnight. Like that takes work. So this this content is valuable to those who are on that journey. It's also about showcasing our expertise and passion as part of the industry. So, Shawnee, you have taken us through your career of breaking into cybersecurity. I think you've made a good case for, you know what, there is no end goal for security content. It's not like we're going to wake up one day and that's it. Every blog has been written because there's a different way of presenting everything. There's people who are breaking into the industry. They're learning new things. Of course, there's those people who, um, you know, work for these companies that security is important for, but they don't work in cybersecurity directly. So increasing that security awareness is, is a key point. And it is very, very interesting for me to hear you talk about your journey to getting into this industry and how similar it sounds to those who have roles like Penetration Tester and how their journeys into this industry looked. So, Shawnee, thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. Was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? Were you as nervous as you were expecting? (laughs) Yeah, it was okay. Um, Yeah, thank you for having me. Shawnee, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you.